Welcome to season two of the One and Done podcast, where we are dedicated to making young people successful in business early in life. We're recording today from the Rollo Insurance Studio in College Station, Texas. Let's get it started. What's going on, One and Done listeners? We're excited to be back with another episode of the One and Done podcast. Today, our special guest is Doug Redshaw. He is a production underwriter at Selective Insurance, 28 years old. Like our epitome listener of the One and Done podcast, he did not know exactly what he wanted to do out of college. Uh, graduating with a math degree, he was trying to figure out exactly what to do. And in his words, he had way too many options. So uh, he found the wonderful career of insurance. That's how Doug and I know each other. Uh, and uh, wanted Doug to come on today at the younger age of 28 to tell you about the insurance industry and how he took his math degree and the those too many options and turn it into a one and done type career. So Doug, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me, Jackson. Absolutely. So tell us about this math degree. Tell us where you went to school and kind of get, give us the background and then introduce us to, to where you are now. Sure. So uh, similar to my, my career, I did not mean to end up with a, with a math degree. Went to school at the University of New Hampshire and I ended up there um, basically by mistake. I would say me growing up in, in New Jersey, I, I wanted to go to a school that had uh, really good ski mountains real close by. And I went toward University of New Hampshire and made an assumption that the, the mountains were very close. Uh, little <laughs> did I know that really about two hours away. So uh, I don't know about any of the other listeners if you ended up in college that way. But yeah, that's how I ended up at University of New Hampshire. I, I thought the mountains were way closer. There you go, man. Uh, there you go. And what's the, what's the mascot of the New Hampshire? I can't remember. Wildcats. The Wildcats. There you go. So, so you're at New Hampshire. You're a little disappointed in your dorm room because you don't have any mountains nearby. And uh, and how'd that go from there? Pretty standard. Uh, entered into the university into their business degree or their business school, uh, looking for that business degree. Um, I was originally slotted for uh, management information systems and uh, entrepreneurship. I was going to get a dual major. And then I had some uh, some good mentors at the time that were in the engineering school and just the way they kind of talked about how they were going about their education, doing something that was difficult, uh, that really, that struck me. And I was like, you know, this business degree that I'm getting, it's relatively easy for me to get like, you know, a 3.5 GPA, you know, passing grades. So um, I kind of took it as a challenge and switched over to um, what was supposed to be mechanical engineering at the time. And, you know, one thing leads to another and you ended up in, I ended up in uh, an applied math program. Uh, but I say both was, start with M, you know, and the advisor accidentally clicked math instead of mechanical engineering. That, and there you ended up, huh? More like they said, we're not accepting transfer students right now. <laughs> but what I, what I did find was pretty funny when I went to the advisor, they, they said, you want to switch from business to engineering and not from engineering to business. Right. Yeah. A lot, of, a lot of freshmen make. It was funny. They had the actual paperwork to do the transfer right in the engineering office if you want to go over to business school. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. So you didn't get in, well, because they weren't taking transfers, so you get into math, and how was that? It, that was awesome, man. Uh, it was it was an applied math degree, so it was, it was learning how to apply math to systems that already exist. So it was kind of a combination of your civil and mechanical engineering aspects. Uh, we just didn't really have all of the really intense labs that a lot of the engineers had. Ours was more like math theory and learning about like the structure of different building materials. Interesting. So graduate or you're, you're heading that direction and you're starting to think about, Hey, what I want to do and uh, too many options. So, so tell me about that journey. Yeah. So there was uh, my university was, was 
very helpful for the math students. They held this math career night every year. Uh, I went each year trying to win the calculator that would do the algebra for you, but never won it. Uh, they had a cool raffle going on. Uh, but it was cool. It would be like six or seven people that graduated from university with a math degree, and they would come in and tell you exactly what they did. So some people got into programming. Other people got into professional gambling. Uh, that was one I, I didn't think I had, I was cut out for, you know, just going to move to Vegas as a, you know, first year grad and try to create my own sports book. So didn't go that route. Um, there was somebody that was an actuary that would come in and talk to us, just like all different things you could do with a math degree. And um, I ultimately decided on that I wanted to be an actuary. I was a, uh, a young, young college kid. And I was like, I'm going to be the actuary. I'm going to take 10 years and pass all those exams and I'm going to be able to the one that makes the insurance rates, you know, you know, why everybody gets charged that amount. So at that point, obviously you knew a little bit about the insurance industry. Why, why an actuary over, you know, a program or something that, that has maybe a little more appeal to, to a college student at that that time. Income, income potential. You know, I, I heard as a, as a kid, you know, the actuaries make, you know, make great money. And, you know, I don't know about anybody else that was the forefront of my mind as I'm, you know, paying for college. Like I want to, you know, get a return on this investment here. There you go. There you go. So what, uh, so what happened? Not cut out for the actuary. (laughs) Those tests are pretty hard. I, I took uh, two of the exams and I didn't pass either of them. And I uh, had a conversation with one of the actuaries at, at the company I work for now. And he was pretty much like, Hey, you want to spend the next 10 years studying for these exams, you know, missing sporting events, birthdays, holidays, you know, you're going to be studying for all these. I quickly, you know, I answered him pretty quickly and said, no. He said, Hey, there's a lot of other options for your success, but maybe actuary isn't the one you want. There you go. So I kind of had somebody kind of show me the path that I did not want to be uh, in that career path. So he, so, so you were already with selective at that time, or is this kind of y'all knew each other prior to that? So I officially decided I, I was not going to pursue the actuary once I was working for Selective. Got you. Okay. And you were working in, in what role at that point? So at that point, I was a, an underwriting trainee. Gotcha. Uh, so I guess I'll, I'll back up a little bit. Um, I ended up uh, applying for the job at, at their Selective's underwriting trainee program on a suggestion from somebody that I had worked for a summer prior. He had said, you know, there's, you know, I know you don't know exactly what you want to do with your degree, but you have a valuable degree and skill set. So why don't you apply for this internship at Selective? And part of their internship program is they kind of take you around to all the different departments and teach you the whole, um, pretty much the industry and how they do business in it with over like a nine month period. Got you. Got you. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I like that. So, so you, so you, you sign up for that, or you, you get that job out of out of school. Um, and during that time is when you figured out, hey, being an actuary is not not for me. Yeah. So I, um, I was a little non traditional in that. Like, I wouldn't go to to lunch like with the, the rest of my class. I would usually go to the gym. It was just like how I was able to manage my flow throughout the day. And what I found out was that there was a lot of people that. Um, you know, we're decision makers at the company that also did that as well. Um, one of them happened to be like the SVP of actuarial pricing. Oh, wow. He, um, you know, actually what's kind of funny now I'm out in Arizona and he was, uh, always wearing an ASU Jersey in the, in the gym. So him and I just, just got talking just casually here and there. I told him, I asked him about a position that was opening up in the actuarial department. He said, come on up to my office. Let's talk about your experience and where you want to go. And, uh, I'll see if I can help you out. And that's where we ended up having the conversation on like uh, an early 
early closing of the office. That's kind of rare because we had a big old snowstorm come through. <laughs> so, you know, I think that's really interesting, though, because as you tell this story, you know, everyone can hear, you know, a little bit about you and they can learn those things. But I do I do think that's very interesting that you mentioned, hey, you know, I did something a little different than everyone else, even if it was just not go to lunch, go to the gym. Right. But there I built a relationship and that relationship, you know, as we kind of dive back into the story is probably going to be what routed you in the direction you are now, which is probably a little bit ahead of a lot of those people who were in that class with you. And it's, it's such an important fact to uh, point to make to all of our listeners that who, you know, is still just as important as what, you know, um, because, you know, you got to have those people who can, who can a mentor you in the right direction and B who can give you opportunities, who can get your foot in the door. Uh, and then it, from there it's, it is what you know, right? It, once you get your foot in the door, but uh, you got to know somebody to do that every once in a while. So um, that's awesome. So you're able to meet with him, kind of figure out probably, you know, actuarial sciences weren't, weren't necessarily for you. And then now you're in this production underwriting role. So how did that transition happen? And what do you like about your current role? Um, I'd say, I got to this position by following, you know, being myself, following my, my own interests. After I got out of the underwriting trainee program, I moved into a business analyst role. And so when I started there, it was mostly working with our rating systems, figuring figuring out how all those work, working on updates to them, you know, quarterly rate updates and, you know, doing some of the, the design work. Uh, just wasn't for me. And I, I quickly realized that. And I think I made it known to a lot of my managers that at every point that, I didn't want to stay there and I wanted to move on to, to something else. Yeah. Um, to be to be quite frank, maybe some of our users could can associate to this feeling. Like I, I still didn't know what I what I truly wanted to do, but I knew it it wasn't what I was doing. And I needed to have a little bit of friction in my life to figure out what exactly I wanted to go or what I wanted to get into, at least at the company. Yeah, uh, I, I think I think that's a good point, you know, because you know like you and I, we both ha have had conversations outside of this. And we've talked about how, you know, how does people get into insurance most of the time? Well, they fall into the business, but it, it's the benefits on the back end that maybe I think sometimes it's hard for college students to really understand the benefits of a job in the insurance industry when you're going to college, because it's not, it's not just, you know, it's not the, it's not the best looking industry on his face and you don't understand all the long-term things. And, and let's be honest, people our age, they're all about, you know, what's, what's right now. I mean, we grew up being able to get an answer anytime we want right now, Google get food anytime we want it, fast food, right? Everything's now, 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 but uh, there's something about the insurance industry that's beautiful for the long term. Tell me a little bit about this. I know you said, you know, one of the things that you think is so positive about our industry is the opportunity uh, specifically for those leaving the business. Tell me a little bit about that. You want to know about the people leaving the business, what their opportunity is, or the opportunity that presents? The opportunity the that presents, yes, exactly. Okay. So I guess I'll, I'll start that off with a question for, for you and the listeners. You know, maybe when they're, they're listening, they'll, they'll ask themselves this, like, when you think insurance, who do you think works in insurance? Me three years ago, probably some older folks, right? Some people who have gray hair and, and they've been doing this for a while. Me being three years in, obviously I developed people in relationships outside of that, but it is still a very old industry. There's, there was a gap for a while um, between people who were of the ages of like 60 and the age of about 40. There was a gap there where people just didn't, didn't get into the business. And so um, it, it's not usually the young people, right? You're thinking tech, you're thinking you know, our age, right? 28 and under, uh, you know, with, uh, with a company they just designed out of their basement, but, uh, insurance kind of the opposite. <laughs> and it's, and it's twofold the, the benefit of, 
of coming into an industry like for for people that are in our generation or at least kind of like the the tail end of, of the millennials like you're you're getting all these people that are leaving the company um, that are retirement age because of that gap we're talking about right so we have like a lot of people in their 60s maybe 70s that are you know really about to, to leave the company and they want to transfer all of that knowledge that they've built up over the 20 30 years in the industry and they want to give it to you so that you could use it to to benefit yourself and the company and then the the second benefit you have is you have all that information and the opportunity to to move into those positions as those people leave but you also have a an industry and depending on what company you're at companies that have been around for a long time and have built a reputation that you don't necessarily have to build from the ground up you just need to keep that reputation of of the company that they built over, you know, at least for our company over a hundred years. Absolutely. Man, I could talk about this stuff forever because obviously it's our industry. We talk about this. Uh, we, we were able to do up in Utah the other day when we were able to see each other in person. But I do want to ask you this last question before we talk a little bit about you, the person, right? And who you are and how you developed yep. technology specifically in our industry is usually slower, but just like you mentioned with, you know, the people who are leaving the industry wanting to pass down their information. I think that presents a, a great opportunity. You know, students all the time going to school, I don't think they really realize how big the insurance industry is. Watch commercials on TV. Every third commercial is insurance related. Go to a, a big league uh, baseball stadium or football stadium. Guess what all the, the, the advertisements are? Insurance companies or insurance carriers, right? It's a big part of our uh, economical system is insurance. There's a lot of money that flows in the insurance industry. So in relation to technology, innovation, and all those things, obviously I think we're a little behind, and I want to, I want to get your opinion on where exactly are we in this, you know, technology wave. But also I want I want to encourage some of the students, you know, if you have a great idea and you're great with programming, man, use that and get in the insurance industry because people here are looking for uh, answers, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you on that, and I think it's kind of the kind of goes back to the generational differences of the the culture that that's in the in the industry right now like it's it's a slow to develop technology in the or slow to adopt technology as in the industry but at the same time the the people who are leading the industry in a lot of cases are the same people who grew up maintaining things keeping the the same garage door opener for 30 years like you know it doesn't there's nothing wrong with it you know, unless it gets struck by lightning, you know, the garage door motor, it's, it's going to work forever. You're not going to just upgrade it just because just because you want a new door. Like, <laughs> that's not how it works. But, you know, people that are more in, in our age bracket, they, they think a little bit differently. And, you know, they want tools to help them, you know, track clients, you know, give them reminders to follow up with people rather than, you know, some system that you developed, you know, from working on paper to eventually, you know, a computer to, you know, now everything's on computer. So, just a different mindsets from the people making decisions. Absolutely. What is the biggest thing you would tell a college student about the insurance industry? What is your 60 second pitch of why they should at least look at the insurance industry for their career? If you can't find a career that you're happy with in insurance, then that's on you. Is, is that's what I'd say. Because if you're <laughs> that's the six second version. That's perfect. So that there's six second and I, I can build on that one too. But, but yeah, so that's, that's it. I agree. No, there's there's literally everything. You can be in technology and insurance. You can be in sales and insurance. You can be in service and insurance. I agree with you 100. That's that's a that's a perfect that's a perfect point. So let's move on to learning a little bit about you here in our remaining uh, 10 minutes or so. Tell me a little bit about you. Uh, sports growing up was that a big part of of what you did? Uh, it was a big part of my time, not necessarily my identity. There you go. Like I know, 
I know a lot of kids, you know, they're always wearing their football jerseys and, you know, talking about their teams. Sports was never on at my house, but it was participated in six to seven days a week. Okay. So tell me this, what is a, what is a lesson you learned from those sports? And I know, I know you put, you know, hockey, skiing, cycling, lacrosse. I would tell you zero knowledge of any of those sports, specifically hockey. There's not enough ice down here in Texas for us to do that. Um, but tell me, tell me a story that you learned growing up playing sports that you apply in business every day. Leadership and teamwork. Um, if, you, if you have a, a leader that you trust and they trust you, um, it's, it's going to make the, the working relationship a lot easier. Um, any good leader is going to have you do stuff that you don't want to do. And if you, if you trust them, you're going to do it and do it well. And then teamwork, you got to be able to trust your team around you and you got to be able to build upon each other's skill set. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you mentioned skiing here, right? That's like, that's more of an individual sport, right? What's a lesson you, you can learn from an individual sport that you apply to your business career? Uh, you got to have fun, man. There you go. <laughs> uh, you got to be able to have fun. You know, work is great. It's great to have a great, you know, hard work mindset, but you got to be able to enjoy yourself. Yeah. And you got a plan, you know, like when you pick a college, make sure there's mountains around. You know what I mean? <laughs> when you pick a job, make sure there's something fun to do around you. There you go. Um, so so obviously, I think you're competitive, right? Tell me tell me what drives that competition within you. I call myself an introverted competitor. Like uh, I'm not going to be outwardly in your face. Like I'm going to beat you. I'm going to win. But I'm competing against myself every step of the way. And if I can, if I can keep quiet and and take the lead, I'm going to do it. But I'm never going to be rubbing it in somebody's face, like you know, maybe humbleness or, or what, trying to keep the ego in check. But you know, I, I try to just uh, be as competitive as I can with myself, and then usually that translates well to competitive with others. No, oh, that's perfect too, because I think that's one of the hardest things for for people to do when they get out of school um, is to understand that you know yes, there's a lot of competition. Pretty much any job you take, you have some type of competition with someone else. But there's never going to be a bigger competitor than yourself. And if you can train yourself to think that way, you will just develop yourself so much more than other people who are who are just comparing themselves to someone else. Um, so that's a great lesson. So. I know your family had a lot of uh, multiple generations of, of uh, entrepreneurs and people that own businesses. Tell me about that. Tell me how that helped you in your development as you as you entered this professional career of underwriting with uh, Selective. Um, I'd say it helps develop the mindset of that there is uh, there's always something to be done. Like you know you can you could sign off from from nine to five, or you know you can sign on nine o'clock, sign off at five. If you didn't get to all your emails, you didn't get done what you, you wanted to get done, call it a day. You know, they, you know we're, our industry is set up where you could do that. Um, but where I think I, I took from the entrepreneur mindset of like that my family has always had, you know, both sides, my mom and dad, is that, yeah, that's when everybody else stops working. But we need to continue to work after five o'clock. We need to prepare for tomorrow. We need to make sure that all the supplies are ready. We need to come in early. We need to make sure that all of the, everything is staged for the next day. You know, and that's that's not just small business or, you know, my mom's a florist, dad's an electrician. That's every industry. If I don't if I don't prep at the end of the day for tomorrow, I lose two hours in the morning just getting ready for the day. So what is so I mean, obviously, that's that's a big part of, of who you are. When you say prep, what are what are mentally what are you prepping for for that next day? And how does that help give you an advantage? I'd say the biggest part is how I'm going to use my time and how I'm going to use it effectively. You know, so there's. You know, a big portion of your day, especially in, you know, as you're at least in a sales facing role, you got to be generating revenue. 
you know, your, your mindset and focus should be on what, how am I going to spend my time best to generate revenue? And that's going to be a big portion of your day. And then the second portion for me is like, how, how am I going to manage that time so that I'm profitable, you know, or, you know, generating revenue during my time while also not losing my mind. Yeah. You, can, you can really like hammer that home. And, you know, I'd say it kind of falls into that time management is, is something that you got to battle with every day. It's not just like you can do really well today and it's just going to be that way the rest of your life. You got to work on it every day and, you know, taking a few minutes to prep for your day or week, you know, it really goes a long way. Do you have any time management tricks or tips that you would give to the, to the students here? Cause I know as a student, that was always rough for me. I figured yeah. it out now in my, in my role here at work, but do you have any ideas or, or tricks you can share with them? Uh, this one was shared to me. I, I had asked a friend of mine a couple of years ago. I said, Hey man, you're, you're the most disciplined person I know. How do you do it? And he said, there's no secret, make a list and hold yourself accountable to that list. If you say you're, you're going to go to the gym, go to the gym. If you say you're going to study for your econ test, you study for that econ test. Like, you're gonna you're gonna proofread the paper that you just wrote. You're gonna go get somebody to review it for you. Go do that today. It's not it's not tomorrow. It's not next week. Um, it's today. And if you don't get it done today, it goes on the list for tomorrow, or it gets deleted completely. And that those are the only options. And if you can hold yourself there, you're gonna be successful. I like it. Great tip. That's that's fantastic. So tell me about this. When did your job turn into a career for you? I'd say it started uh, into a career when I moved into the our Southwest region office. So our, our company is broken up into, like we're technically called like a super regional company. We're not quite national yet. Um, so we have uh, six regions and our newest one is out here in, in the Southwest. Um, I actually just renamed it the West region. So we're up in Idaho now. There you um, go. So I, it turned into a career then probably when I was interviewing for that job because they, they asked me, they were like, hey, what do you, what do you want out of, out of this job? And I, I pretty much told them, I want to use this this job to develop a skill set to get to this um, agency management role. That's just the, I, I think you have the most freedom in your schedule. You get to do the most fun stuff in, in the industry. And that's just where I, where I thought I wanted to be. Told them that in the interview. And then from then, it, they kind of took me seriously and said, all right, I see that too. I would like you to use this job and you know move into that next role you're, you want. So I'd say like probably during the interview for the job that brought me out here as a, uh, I was a software trainer at the time. That was when I, I saw, okay, I could be the software trainer, learn the skills of you know, dealing with agents, traveling, making my own schedule, accountability around all that, and then use that into the, this next role that I have now. So tell me this, what makes somebody successful in our industry, in the insurance industry? What makes somebody successful early on? Uh, being able to apply the network you build or utilize the network you build. So like for... You know anybody that's entering in the industry there's there's going to be a lot of opportunities for you to go to networking events um there's stuff within the company there's stuff outside the company trade organizations and you know similar to, to education if you study a bunch and you can't apply that knowledge for your benefit it's not going to help you it's not going to help you if you have a if you know a whole bunch of people and don't know how that you could utilize them and how you can add value to their life uh last word for the audience here today what what would you tell them uh, about something you do to make yourself different than others to stand out or the industry as a whole uh, and, and maybe encouraging them to to join? I don't know if it's different or, or not, but I just try to be myself. I don't I don't try to act like anybody else, act like a, an insurance professional that, that I think is, you know, I try to act professional, but it's still it's still me. 
No, there's never going to be a day where, hey, I was acting like that other guy he just met. Like, no, it's just be yourself. Everybody can see through it if you're not. Well, they're going to have to listen all the way through this episode to get that. That That's a great point. Be genuine. Uh, people respect it. It should not make you different, but in, in America in 2022, it does. So be genuine. You'll get yourself uh, a very far in life. So, Doug, thank you so much for joining the show, man. We're really appreciative of you, and uh, good luck in all your future endeavors. Yeah, thank you, Jackson. You too. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. Be sure to rate our podcast and leave a review. Also, make sure to check us out on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook at One and Done Podcast.